0: Hi there, this is the Reverend Michael Lowry, pastor of East Congregational United Church of Christ in Concord, New Hampshire. And this is Love to Tell the Story. Who knows how the love of God is shared and received? One thing is for certain, it happens in a multitude of ways, both large and small. Maybe, says Jesus, even in a cup of cold water. Well, that's the subject of today's message which comes from Matthew chapter 10, the verses numbered 40 through 42. And it starts with the memory of a dear childhood friend. Her name was Peggy Grenier, and she was an elderly widow who lived in a beautiful flower-surrounded log cabin that was up the road from us at the lake. and at the end of a long wooded pathway. And for a period of time, when I was very young, Peggy was my very best friend. Actually, Peggy was best friends with just about every one of the little kids who spent their summers on the lake. And, and as I think about it now, it's a wonder she had a moment to herself, given all the children who used to come and visit her. We all loved to go and see Peggy. And this was because, by all indications, she loved to see us. No matter how busy she was, what she happened to be doing, the moment that we turned up at her door, she'd stop everything to visit with us. Now, we'd sit down, we'd tell Peggy all our long, drawn-out stories. Uh, She'd laugh heartily at all our little kid jokes. You know, how do you catch a squirrel? Climb up a tree and act like a nut? was high comedy, and she loved it, or at least she made us think she loved it. And over cookies and cold glasses of lemonade, we'd have these deep discussions about the great issues of our lives, school and friends and how much we hated social studies. But the thing was, is all of this truly seemed to matter to Peggy. What I remember the most about Peggy, though, is that she really did listen to us. And what's more, she talked to us like uh, we were grown-ups, which at the age of six is a great thing indeed. I remember our parents also saying to us, now don't you guys go up there and bother Peggy every day. She doesn't need you kids hanging around all the time. But we never really understood that because, you see, Peggy never acted like we were a bother. She always made us feel welcome. And all these years later, I still can recall just what a wonderful feeling that was. And even though she's long since passed on, other people live there now, and the log cabin itself has actually been completely remodeled. As far as I'm concerned, that place will always be Peggy's camp. To feel welcomed. To be received, as, as scripture often translated. That's that's one of life's greatest blessings, isn't it? I'm sure we can all name moments in which a simple act of hospitality made all the difference for us. Maybe, maybe it was somebody inviting us to sit at their table and, and, and share a meal with them. Maybe it was someone inviting us to spend a holiday with them where otherwise we would have been alone. <laughs> or has been the case with me recently Someone stopping by the house to bring a flower or a goodie bag or or a card or a word of comfort. It's part and parcel of being a good neighbor, certainly. And on a deeper level, it's the act of affirming the great value of that person through a not-so-random act of kindness. But even more than this, spiritually speaking now, it is seeing that person through the eyes of God. It is truly as... Our reading for this morning describes it like giving that someone a cup of cold water on a hot and muggy day is just that refreshing and life giving. And, my Diane, it's an essential part of the Christian life. It is the manner of welcome to which you and I are called as disciples of Jesus Christ. As Jesus himself said it in our text for this morning, whoever welcomes you, welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me, welcomes the one who sent me. Now, it's worth noting here that the words of Jesus that we've read today come right on the heels of those other rather disconcerting words from our text from last Sunday. You remember all about how Jesus had come not to bring peace, but a sword about families being set against one another, uh, even about losing one's life to save it. And by the way, all of that came on the heels of Jesus' dire warnings to the disciples about the inevitability of conflict and, and persecution in following him. But then, and here's what makes this passage we've read today very interesting indeed, then, any, when any reasonable person might have run the other way, Jesus reminds the disciples of the great importance of the task before them. Essentially saying that whenever someone receives them, that is, whenever someone welcomes them into their homes or, uh, or into their circle of trust and admiration, that they would be, in fact, receiving Christ himself. Just as prophets and righteous believers are received on the basis of who they are, Jesus says, anyone who gives you even a cup of cold water because you're my disciple is also welcoming me. And when they are welcoming me, Jesus goes on to say, they are welcoming the God who sent me. So what we've got here in three short verses from Matthew's gospel is Jesus reminding you and me of the disciples' vital role in building up the kingdom of God. Understanding, of course, that this extends not only to the original 12, but to all those who would seek to follow Christ. And friends, that includes you and me. As disciples, you see, you and I are in the truest sense, ambassadors of Christ in the places where we dwell. We are emissaries of his kingdom. So anyone who welcomes us into their circle is also welcoming Jesus. And what that means is that anything and everything we do as guests, as ambassadors, as emissaries, reflects on the one we represent. Our demeanor around those who welcome us, it matters. As does our sense of graciousness for what it is we've received as does our ability to speak and act and respond with love befitting the example of the Lord. Now, you might think that this is an obvious point. In fact, I kind of hope you think this is an obvious point. I mean, what's not to understand about what amounts here to loving one another? But in truth of fact, and I think you know this, there are a great many people and a great many Christians among them who, whose lives never quite approach that example. These are the kind of folks who, by their behaviors, give way too much credence to the rumors we've all heard about Christians being holier-than-thou hypercritical hypocrites. My point here is that it's important that you and I remember that for better or for worse, when every day we head out into the world, we are carrying our faith along with us. And there are countless occasions throughout the week when what we say, when what we do, when the choices we make, the attitudes we show towards others, hey, how we live cannot help but proclaim something about that faith, either positively or negatively. Which message comes forth, folks? Well, that in large part is up to us. It actually puts me in mind of uh, one of my favorite quotes from the great Frederick Buechner. It's a passage from his book, Wishful Thinking. And he writes there, Who knows how the awareness of God's love first hits people. Every person has their own tale to tell, including the person you who wouldn't believe in God if you paid him to do so. Some moment happens in your life that you say yes right up to the roots of your hair and, and makes it worth having been born just to have happen. How about the person you know, who as far as you can possibly tell has never ever had such a moment? Well, maybe, Beatner concludes, Maybe for that person, the moment that has to happen is you. The bottom line, friends, is that as disciples of Jesus Christ, we are his representatives. We are, in essence, his heart, his hands, his feet, his his arms of compassion in receiving us, you see, the people we encounter can and do discover something of the love of jesus christ that is both the word of encouragement and the word of challenge that our lord offered to his disciples as they went out into a harsh and uncertain world this is a large work i called you into jesus tells them in the the message version of this text but don't be overwhelmed by The smallest act of giving or receiving makes you a true apprentice. You won't lose out on a thing. In other words, the effectiveness, if you will, of true discipleship is not to be measured by the greatness of what is accomplished, but in all the small things that we do greatly. Just something as simple as a card or a call, or a visit, shows us how much we have been loved, how much we're appreciated. And it all happens when you and I offer up, as Jesus puts it, even a cup of cold water to these little ones in the name of a disciple. That not only serves as an affirmation of faith and love and care to the one who is thirsty, but it also shows forth the great and giving love of Jesus Christ and of the God who sent him. Understand, when Jesus refers to these little ones, he's not necessarily talking about children, but rather he's talking about anyone and everyone who has ever needed to be recognized, to be affirmed, to to be valued, to be loved, or who simply need a drink of water. The point is is that these are the ones to whom we are called to to bring our faith and our love. And the best way we can reveal the reign of Christ in the world is for them to see Christ in us. To see Christ through our merciful acts of love and and kindness and grace. The kind of things that make an important difference in people's lives. This, I believe, is what makes us authentically Christians. And it's what makes us the church and let me just say it again that's what makes us the church no matter where or how we meet once again i know it all sounds so simple so basic to the mission that we share as believers and yet i would dare say that in these days when when people and groups have become so sharply and bitterly divided over so many issues, when when we seem to want to cancel the other point of view out completely, no matter what it happens to be, not to mention still having to quite literally have our faces be covered and be physically distant from one another, seems that this call to bring forth true love and mercy still represents one of the greatest challenges that the church faces in this day and age. Now, for instance, I don't know about you, but these days I'm finding it very difficult to be able to express what I want to express wearing a face mask. I mean, this whole pandemic has made me realize just how much of ourselves we convey to others simply by the look on our face. The way we smile, the, the, the or frown, or grimace, or or share the abundance of our dish pleasure, shall we say. Or for that matter, how we express compassion. Now, I think I shared this story at, at one of our midweek updates, but it bears repeating. Uh, a couple weeks back, I was in our local Hannaford uh, doing some, a little bit of shopping. One of the very first times I'd ever been there uh, since the pandemic began. And as I'm going down the aisle, another woman came barreling around a crowded corner and fairly well careened into my shopping cart. Now, it wasn't a big deal. There was no harm done at all. But what was interesting is that because we were masked when this happened, we literally stared in each other's eyes for the longest moment because neither one of us could really tell how the other was going to react to this little accident. Was there going to be anger and heated words exchanged? Would we just laugh it off? Would we just ignore the situation and quietly go off in different directions? Based on just the masks over our face, there's really no way to tell, right? Frankly, it wasn't until I made a stupid joke in my official Down East accent, Mr. Man, which I know comes as absolutely no surprise to you, it was only then that she could tell I wasn't upset, and she could breathe a sigh of relief. And we both had a good laugh as a result. I guess she figured if he sounded that funny, he wasn't going to be any harm. As I thought back on it, though, in its own unique way, this was a cup of cold water. And whether or not that woman knew it, whether or not she realized it all, Just a little bit of God was revealed in that moment. And that was reward indeed. Karen Maines has said it well. She writes, When we give, having put away our pride, then Christ sanctifies the simple gift. He makes it holy. He makes it useful. Friends, it may well seem to us like what we give and what we do may seem insignificant, in the wider scheme of things. So much going on in the world. What can our piddling little effort accomplish? But you see, to those who receive what we have to give, it is anything but insignificant. And it's certainly not insignificant to the Lord. A cup of cold water, in whatever form it takes, it matters. For what greater reward can there be in that not-so-random act of kindness resulting in someone encountering God, maybe for the very first time. But it's up to us. It's the choice we make. And, folks, there's a lot of thirsty people out there. We have plenty of water to give, so let's get busy. And as we do, friends, may our thanks and praise always be to God. Amen and amen. And that's the message entitled, A Cup of Cold Water. And it was recorded on June the 28th as part of our current series of online services of worship at East Church in Concord, New Hampshire. By the way, those online services are continuing all through the summer. So if you're looking for a way to worship these days, we would invite you to join with us every Sunday at 10 in the morning via Facebook Live on our East Church Facebook page. In these continuing strange and uncertain days, we found a lot of value in coming together this way, and we'd really love it if you were a part of it. And with that, we come to the end of another episode of Love to Tell the Story. This is Michael Lowry, and I thank you so much for listening today. And until next time, Be safe, be well, and may God bless you with a great day every day. We'll talk to you soon.